Yes. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, a very special episode of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks. And today, one of my dear friends, someone I try to have at least one of these conversations with every year, hopefully recorded so all of you can hear it as well, from Yahoo Fantasy, from Reception Perception, it is the illustrious Matthew Harmon. Matt, how you doing, bud? illustrious illustrious and the full name Nah, i appreciate you guys having me this is great uh looking forward to this i'm i'm so happy that both of you guys have branched off and uh partnered up with underdog you've both been absolutely crushing it uh i love the videos you guys are putting out love the podcast you guys are putting out and i think you're both just absolutely dominating so i'm hoping to like ride on the coattails here a little bit oh sure Sure, Matt. That, that's that's what we're doing here today. <laughs> uh, I remember, and I, I love what you've been doing with with RP. I mean, reception perception is something that long ago you and I had conversations about. I was, you know, trying to support it there from the start. But it, Matt, I feel like even more this summer, like you've just wanted to take it to like five or ten levels up. What's been going on over there? Yeah. So this is the first year, really, ever that reception perception has been its own outlet. I mean, Josh, you and I have followed each other long enough that I'm sure you've seen some of like the old backyard banter reception perception articles. (laughs) Exactly. But this is really the first year that it's been its own offering receptionperception.com. And I mean, you guys know this when you create something and like you're able to just punch that into the search bar, right? Like receptionperception.com and it pops up as its own website. Um, It's exciting. It's awesome. Uh, I'm really focused on trying to make this the best i think it's look i've been doing this now for since 2014 started creating the process back in 2014 uh, or 2013 so i've been doing this long enough now that you know i'm bullish enough to say that i think this is the best wide receiver info on the planet stuff that you're not going to find literally anywhere else and for that reason i'm just trying to make it better presented and more discoverable for people. Uh, and I'm just trying to take the, all the work that I do charting these receivers. I mean, my business partner, James Coe, says that I need to say this all the time, is the hours and hours and hours and hours <laughs> of work that goes into charting these routes and these receivers and everything, trying to isolate them from the quarterback play via the reception perception process. Uh, I'm just trying to make that with this new website easier for people to discover. And like, if you want something on Will Fuller, you go to the search bar, you pop in Will Fuller and you find any information uh, you want there with it. So yeah, that's my big focus this year. And I think it's going, I mean, listen, it's going really well and I'm very excited about all the response um, and sort of building that community with people on YouTube and in the discord as well. It's, it's been, it's been great so far. Well, if you enjoy Matt on today's show, definitely go and support him uh, over at Reception Perception and his fantasy rankings on Yahoo Fantasy. Somehow, I know after hours and hours and hours of work, too, Matt had the best projections prior to last season. I know you're going to repeat that because uh, it really means so much to you, Matt. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think at this point, like I vanquished rankings, right? Like the person who has railed against rankings the hardest in the fantasy industry takes down the fantasy pros accuracy contest. I mean, it's time to close shop. No more rankings. We don't we don't do that anymore. I mean, I'm gonna reference my rankings like a hundred times on this show. I know you guys will as well. Oh, of so. course. <laughs> and before we get into anything else today, again, I know how I was introduced to you. It was our, you know, common bond over Steve Smith. Hayden, do you remember your God. introduction to Matt? It had to be it had to be reception perception. I mean, there was for the last like four or five years, it's been reception perception. There's always been like the biggest podcast, like Silva. We just talked about reception perception. That's kind of where I grew into the fantasy space. It was like purely from Roto World, but Matt's stuff was always finding his way onto Roto World too. Nice. Okay. Let's, again, spend this show trying to filter the noise, figure out what is meaningful. There's a few ways to do this. Uh, Later on, we'll get into some of Matt's absolute favorite players at the position, ones that after hours and hours of work, he has a very strong <laughs> bond with them. But I thought a really fun exercise, we know this of doing drafts and doing our rankings, especially over on underdog, you find yourself in wide receiver clusters. It's a position that we absolutely love, but in the end, finding the one in that group of three or four or five or six is going to help us come out on top in our fantasy leagues at the end of the year. And so in order to do that, uh, this is a little portion of the show, Matt, that I like to call cluster stuck. Dad jokes. All right. We keep awesome. Uh, so <laughs> di- different rounds 
Uh, these are different groupings. And why don't we start here, Matt Harmon. In round three, Keenan Allen, C.D. Lamb, Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, and Amari Cooper. Which of those are you buying into the most this year? Again, we love all of them, but which one right. do you believe in most? Yeah, there's a couple guys that are really hard to pick from here because I am one of the biggest Terry McLaurin fans out there. You know, after an awesome rookie season in reception perception, he finished top five this last year in success rate versus man coverage. For those that are not, familiar with reception perception um that's probably the main metric of the series of course also there's success rate versus man press zone for again for those who are not familiar what i'm doing is over an eight game sample for nfl and college players i'm going in and charting every single route that they run how often they get open on those routes often they run each individual route type uh whether they get open versus man zone press uh etc i've charted over 300 players the last eight years or so. So there's a wide database of guys to compare to. And so to put that into context, Terry McLaurin's up there top five this past year. I mean, he is up there with these star receivers. However, there's another guy of that group that you mentioned that is also top five this past year in success rate versus man coverage. The perfect guy to talk about when isolating from quarterback play. And that's Allen Robinson, 97th percentile last year. In 2019, he led all players in success rate versus man coverage. So that's trying to show you basically that he is, I think, an elite, elite receiver. You know, talking about a guy like Stefan Diggs, who was a player I believed in heavily last year and have always believed in because he has led this metric in previous years and once again did it last year. Just needed the quarterback play to catch up. Just needed to get hooked up in the right offensive system, get fed those targets. And, you know, I guess it's kind of hard to say if Robinson is definitely going to have that situation come to pass this year because, like, when is the Justin Fields era going to start? How long will they mess around with Andy Dalton? Also, you know, what kind of offense are they going to run with Justin Fields there? But we already know that Robinson has a great floor because he gets open at all levels. Um, he is great as a vertical threat. We just haven't seen that as much in the Mitch Trubisky kind of, like, cookie cutter offense they ran last year I think Fields could be a guy that unleashes him more as a vertical threat but still maintains that great floor so even if you're buying him you know at his cost or whatever I don't mind that because I do think he has like a top five ceiling in his range of outcomes I think he's just a perfect third round pick if you start running back running back in rounds one and two you know Zeke Antonio Gibson something like that I think Robbins is just a smash pick as a wide receiver one so he's my favorite of this group it's very hard to pick between <laughs> Yeah, those are all studs. I have Allen Robinson inside my top 10 fantasy wide receivers. Last year, he was the wide receiver 12 and half PPR points per game, but he was the wide receiver six in fantasy usage, which is kind of converts targets and how close you are to the red zone into like expected fantasy points. He was the wide receiver six. And the reason why he was below average versus expectation was the quarterback play. And I even think that Andy Dalton strictly as a passer is more accurate than Mitch Trubisky, more accurate than Nick Foles. So even if Justin Fields doesn't come in until like week nine, week 10, or whatever the case is, I even think that Andy Dalton's an upgrade over Mitch Trubisky for the type of throws that he's going to be making to Allen Robinson. So I think that Allen Robinson has one of the safest floors. Like Matt said, he also has this ceiling that's not being talked about just because the Bears' offense has been stagnant. The Bears don't need to be a top 10 offense. If they can be the, the 15th best offense in the league this year, Allen Robinson could be flirting in that like tier one conversation. I love a Robinson in the third round right now. I mean, Hey, it's the same equation last year. where like all of us like longtime Allen Robinson backers were basically gritting our teeth and saying like Nick Foles is the best quarterback Allen Robinson <laughs> ever played with. When they signed Andy Dalton this, this past year prior to the Justin Fields pick, it was basically the same equation was as Andy Dalton is the best quarterback that Allen Robinson's ever played with. But you're right though. And I mean, even if he's the Andy Dalton that was with the Cowboys last year, like he was enough of a facilitator to get, those three wide receivers a couple of big weeks here and there. I think he's more than good enough to get Allen Robinson the ball to run a high-functioning offense. And, like, one of my probably worst takes and and something I like – I especially working with so many Bears fans, you gotta you got to be tepid about this. You, Josh, you, you guys know this, like, working in media, there seems to be an overwhelming, like, representation of Bears fans yes. in sports media. Like, any, any office you ever work in, you work in sports media, there's too many Bears fans. But, like – I do think Matt Nagy's kind of a good play caller. I know he yes. like gets his brain twisted around every now and again with like, let me try to get Cordero Patterson carries up the up the middle. Like, let me really make this Tariq 
Cohen thing happened. I mean, he was basically on tilt all after that 2018 playoff run when, uh, you know, the kicker situation. Like, he's not always made the best decisions, but I think the the offense that they turned around last year was actually pretty good considering they were just so focused on working around Mitch Trubisky's weaknesses. I actually think that he could run a pretty progressive functional offense. And some of the stuff they've done with Robinson, like moving him in the slot a decent amount, they could maybe even do that a little bit more. I think that's a good way to uh, treat your number one receiver. Nagy's at least done that right, and I think that could really end up being part of the reason why Robinson has his best season there yet. Josh, I got to jump in here real quick. When I was watching Darnell Mooney, who I'm sure we're going to talk about later, I thought that Nagy did an awesome job playing yeah, to Mooney's agreed. strengths. That was the, the big thing. I was like, right away, Mooney is not a complete receiver yet. But what he agreed. was good at is what Nagy was putting him in the, those situations. So that was like kind of like the cherry on top. I think that Mitch Trubisky was just so bad as a passer that Nagy had no choice. That's why he was doing all this weirdness with uh, Cordell Patterson and some of the other guys. I think if Justin Fields or Andy Dalton could elevate as a passer, Nagy is going to be not on the hot seat as much as he is right now. This is a great conversation, again, on the wide receiver 9 through wide receiver 14. That's the Keenan Allen, C.D. Lamb, Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper. Fascinating to me that both of you uh, are elevating A-Rob possibly to the top of the tier. Again, what we love. And, Matt, I want to bring this up because, you know, so much of the offseason conversation is focused on rookies. I'm not saying that second-year players, and we did an entire show on this, it kind of pushed down the list of priorities, but – Maybe some of their shine gets worn off a little bit. I went back this morning, not on Game Pass because it's down, but I went back and tried to watch as much CD Lamb as possible. And holy crap, Matt, this is a <laughs> uh, I mean, we knew it coming out of Oklahoma. We knew that he landed with this awesome offensive system. Part of me wonders if we just don't know the ceiling of the production that it can be. I think we know it from a talent standpoint, but the production can be because, again, Dak just played four games last season. Yeah, I'm with you. And a couple different things here with CeeDee Lamb. I agree that, you know, great situation, great player. Uh, the longer that like Amari Cooper misses time in camp, I think is actually good news for CeeDee Lamb for a couple different reasons. Obviously, number one, you know, you build chemistry with Dak, all that stuff. But I've loved the fact that they've been moving him around more in training camp. That's been like a steady talk out of there because, you know, he played so much in the slot last year. But Almost actually, like if you look at their reception perception profiles from last year, like the role they had CD Lamb in was very, very similar to what Cooper Cup has done for years with the Rams. You know, not seeing a bunch of press coverage, not really running uh, too many vertical routes, but like, give me a break. You know, CD Lamb is better than Cooper Cup. CD Lamb in limited looks was awesome, 80th percentile against uh, press coverage. Also, you know, he was at that 72% mark against man coverage. And, you know, to really not get into, like, the thresholds of the nerd stuff for, for people out there. Like, if you're a reception perception subscriber and you see a guy over 70% against man coverage, that's good. Those are guys historically you want to bet on. And the farther up they are on the chart, the harder it is to bet against those players. They're historically going to be very good. And I think CeeDee Lamb in the next two or three years will be like universally accepted as a much better pro than Amari Cooper is or ever has been. I think Cooper is kind of like an underrated, I mean, overrated player, especially as a route runner, which, you know, we can get into that discussion some other time, fellas. We don't need to spend all day on why uh, internet clips ruin our thoughts about uh, football players. But CeeDee Lamb, great player. I think he is ready to take that step with or without Amari Cooper being there. Um, I'm, I'm very bullish on him as well. I just like Robinson's outlook and potential ceiling a little bit more because of how crowded the Dallas receiver quiz. I mean, Michael Gallup's one of my favorite bets too. I'm sure we'll talk about him later. All right. I think that closes that tier. That's a really, again, good one in round three. Matt, before we move on from the top names at the position, uh, there's going to be a major ADP change in Devontae Adams. What have you seen in his game from last year? Because obviously he was being drafted at the end or the middle of the second round. And now Hayden and I have had this conversation. Uh, he should be right up there, right next to Tyreek Hill, if not above him in drafts right now. Yeah, I have Stefan Diggs one in my rankings. I'm going to have Adams two. Uh, I think those are are my two top two receivers. They're not, not uncoincidentally number one and number two in success rate versus man coverage last year in reception perception. I mean, I've been saying since 2018. You know, I always want to bring this up with with Devonte Adams because I think he is 
the most fascinating case in reception perception history. This is a guy who had a bottom 10 all-time historical success rate in his rookie season and then obviously flamed out in 2015 when Jordy Nelson got hurt, was you know the fantasy sheep out there, were immediately ready to push him up to, to be that number one receiver. And you know reception perception was pointing out, like he's not ready to be that type of separator yet. Then has that bad season, steadily starts to show progress. And then to eight in 2018, he had a 99th percentile success rate versus man coverage. Pretty much from that man point on, I was saying like at some point he's going to have that elite, elite season. I was a little early on that in 2019 and ended up getting hurt, even though he's balling out that year. Then this past year, obviously, he has that year. I think he is truly one of the, you know, two or three best receivers in football right now, right up there with yeah. Diggs and Tyreek Hill. Um, yeah, no hesitation now that Rodgers is back. I think we're flying and he could have a season similar to what he did last year. This might be an unanswerable question. And we talked about it a little bit when we had Robert Mays on the show. But the progression his career, as you outlined, has has been stunning. And I know you chart these players and now going back to, to 2013 – is there a reason why, in your opinion? I mean, everyone is a different individual. Everyone works and trains differently and improves their game, and some of it's tied to offenses and, and quarterback play, but some of it's not, and, that, and that's what you're focusing on in terms of the one-on-one matchups because it's one of the few one-on-one matchups on an NFL field. Did the game just, like, slow down for him? Did he lean into his strengths a little bit more? Yeah, I think he has the most unique career arc I can think of. I actually was just having a conversation about this with a friend of mine. Like, how could he have gone from being – so awesome at Fresno State to legit being horrible in the NFL to then now being one of the best at his position, if not the very best. I mean, I can't think of anybody like that. And, and even in reception perception, nobody goes from the basement to the top. You know, maybe some people can go from the basement to like the 20th percentile. Nobody goes all the way up there. So he is a one of one case in the NFL. And like my theory on it is, I mean, you can be a great college player. And Josh, you know this from like scouting college players so much. You can be a great college player if you're just the best athlete on the field. But in some point in the NFL, in order to be a great NFL player, the technique has to catch up with it as well. I think that's basically what has happened with Devontae Adams. I think he has mastered the technical part of the position where he did not have that mastered at all in his first couple of seasons. And also like credit to Aaron Rodgers. Look, the Packers just traded for Randall freaking Cobb. Like when you're one of Aaron Rodgers guys, you're in his good graces. I mean, we've seen him freeze out players before and all that type of stuff. But one credit to Aaron Rodgers is that he never gave up on Adams. Even when there were all these rumors about like, Oh, this guy might get cut, you know, after that 2015 season, uh, Rodgers always showed faith in him, always maintained that. And I do think that that matters a lot. I mean, obviously, reception perception is trying to isolate quarterback play from the wide receiver, trying to isolate all those variables from the receiver's play. However, in order to obviously make all things happen, a quarterback has to be a great fit with the wide receiver. The wide receivers don't just fit with every type of quarterback. And I think that chemistry and that communication, that trust with Rodgers has really built into Devontae's confidence and also his own technical work and mastery of the position, I think is really the biggest variable there. Josh, real quick, I have a theory on some of these players that are late late breakout guys. If you look at it, a lot of the non-Power 5 receivers, they kind of struggle for the first year or two before kind of coming in. We've seen it with, with Devontae Adams, probably the, the top guy. And then we see some of the power five, like the SEC guys, when they're really good, they just ball out immediately. I wonder if like yeah. there's something to maybe they weren't getting the same coaching and then it takes a year to kind of develop. When you're if you're coming from the non-power five and you still get drafted in the first two rounds, that means you're an absolute baller, probably athletically, and you put up all this production. But some of the refinement is probably the difference. And I think that's probably what happened with Devontae Adams. I would like to see the numbers on this, but I, th- I think maybe the non-power five guys need a year or two to break out and we probably don't see that as much with the SEC guys. Okay, let's jump to the next cluster. There's another one in round four. Again, this is the area. I'm sure, Matt, you're advocating for the same exact thing. Hammer these wide receivers <laughs> yes. because we love them all. It is the deepest position in the NFL at the moment. But, Matt, I want you to plant your flag on one of these. Around four, around, I think, wide receiver 15 to wide receiver 19 or 20. It's Robert Woods. It's Julio Jones. It's Chris Godwin. It's DJ Moore. It's Tyler Lockett. A lot of different types in that area of the draft. Some alpha players, some in great offenses, some switching teams, some on the ascension of their career, some of the later stages. But Matt, which one uh, do you want to advocate for most? 
Yeah, I mean, God, that is a tough tier to pick from and some like longtime favorites of mine uh, to pick from. But I will go back to the well with Tyler Lockett here. Uh, I think that there, re- I mean, it's so ridiculous that he's being banged so much because of like, oh, the inconsistency in his production or whatever, as if like the, just the fact that that happened last year is going to be the case for the rest of his career or has been the case throughout the course of his career. Yeah, it's a bummer that that happened uh, for your little redraft teams or whatever, but that doesn't mean that this is the way it's going to be forever. And I think Lockett last year, there were, when you go back and look at him in reception perception, no real drop off in his play. He's been over the 90th percentile success rate versus man coverage each of the last two years. I think he's a certified baller. I think he and DK Metcalf are the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. And in a way, if you think about it, I think the biggest problem for Seattle last year was number one I mean Russ just didn't play well to end last year you know it was great great timing for him to launch this big media campaign and throw everybody else under the bus <laughs> he didn't so true when he went yeah, I know right he's not he's the one that didn't finish the year very well I think the biggest problem though and DK Metcalf has even talked about this publicly is that this offense just doesn't didn't have enough layups through it last year you know they were just so vertically inclined it's the same thing with every Pete Carroll offense it's run run play action pass vert shot down the field on on third down I really think that like in a best case scenario the best compromise between Pete Carroll's old school ways and like Russ putting up efficient passing numbers to boost him up into this area that he wants to be regarded as would be a Ram style offense. I like the hire of Shane Waldron. I think they could run a really good system and actually provide more layups for these receivers, which I think is important to leveling out Lockett's production. I mean, we know that he can win you a week, but just like overall target volume there, like we have no, the only reason I'd be concerned about Lockett going into this year after sort of a Rocky, you know, production season or whatever would be that if he's going to lose volume, but I don't think you can project really any target loss from Tyler Lockett. So I think he's just too cheap. I think he's going in a perfect spot in drafts and I will take him where he's going basically every time. Feels like every single year we say that Tyler Lockett and Wolf are going too cheap in drafts and then, yeah. uh, and then we benefit from it. Hayden, that's an awesome tier though. Again, I know you're an advocate for Robert Woods and he's going as the quarter, or excuse me, the wide receiver 15 of that group. Again, Julio is switching teams, Chris Godwin, uh, I went back and watched him, and just the awesome. I mean, they were on such a good page, Matt. That was one of our first conversations. Yes. By the way, a little yes. story time here. Uh, Matt and I were so in on Chris Godwin because he like had an element of where he dominates in college. Was young, had you know a great athletic profile, and somehow he fell to round three. Matt, I think I was hyping up that episode of the previous show so much <laughs> that all of your coworkers at NFL Media thought I was trying to hire you away. Uh, I, I think he once told me that. <laughs> no, no comment on that one. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Anyways, we have DJ Moore, Hayden. I, yeah. I feel like DJ Moore is another player that the breakout is just there. Like he's great already because he's so good after the catch, even with poor quarter play back play last year. Joe Brady likes to use these outside to inside players. And Hayden, I, I think he's on like, the cusp of a possible breakout year, like what we were talking about with Devontae Adams. It's just converting some of these big plays into actual touchdowns. Like that's like the difference for fantasy mm-hmm. purposes. And he's still so young. And when I watched him uh, this off season, his athleticism, like I was watching a bunch of the studs, DJ Moore's athleticism still stands out. Even when you're looking at the top 10 receivers in the league, he just so athletic. There just makes no sense on why he hasn't scored a couple more touchdowns. But like Matt was just talking with Lockett, just because that wasn't the case earlier does not mean that that can't be the case moving forward. DJ Moore could be the number one receiver on this team. No problem. Robbie, Robbie Anderson is good in his own right. But DJ Moore, his athletic profile and what he was doing down the field last year was awesome. There was just a couple plays where if the ball hit him in a little bit different part of the area, he would be able to burst down for a 90-yard touchdown. Um, so we'll see if Sam Donald's got it with them this year. Yeah, there were a couple. Too. On, there were on like DJ Moore, tackles. too. Yeah, go ahead. I, I think this is really interesting. He is one of those guys, not like Devontae Adams level, but, you know, struggled as a technician a little bit early in his career, um, you know, coming from Maryland. I don't know. Maybe that's part of like the theory here uh, that Hayden was talking about earlier. I know they're, they're still a pretty big school, but, you know, to the point, like 
he struggled a little bit early in his career, but last year really jumped up to that like above 70% success rate versus man level. Like he's taken those steady steps every single year of his career. And all the while, too, he's been one of the best contested catch receivers in RP. He's also been one of the best yak receivers in reception perception. And this is all while they've been kind of grooming him into being that top level X receiver. I just want to see, and you know, Josh, you and I could probably do a whole three hour pod on like complaints about the Carolina Panthers that don't bother us anymore. That's the second half of this. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's good. That's the after hours pod. Um, But that, you know, that, that we, those don't hurt us anymore, Josh, they don't have to hurt us anymore. Um, But what is so, I like a lot of what they did offensively in Carolina last year, but not dissimilar to the Dallas Cowboys where I wish they had moved these guys around a little bit more. I would have loved to see DJ Moore running some of the routes that Robbie Anderson was doing. Curtis Samuel running some of the routes that DJ Moore was running as a vertical threat. I think they were too static with these guys. And that's why I think like Terrace Marshall is such a key figure to watch for this offense. You know, whether production wise or what he's going to do as a rookie is a whole nother thing, but like, He's an interesting case, too, because he was a slot receiver last year, but I think he profiles as more of like almost like a Martavis Bryant, like big play outside receiver. So moving these guys around more, switching up their roles could really actually be conducive to DJ Moore having a big season. I I really do like him. I think this is the first year I've been like excited to draft DJ Moore where he's going because I think the public has sort of gotten a little frustrated with his usage last year. So he was definitely in consideration for me behind Lockett and Godwin for my best uh, bet in this tier. Yeah, DJ Moore has an ADP of 40. And, and to your point, the Panthers were bottom five in red zone touchdown rate last season. I think DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson combined for seven receiving touchdowns last year, despite being so amazing. I guarantee you, Joe Brady has been in the lab this offseason. And we can kind of point to some of the moves they made in Terrace Marshall and even a Dan Arnold who gave like legitimate money yeah. to to do better in the red zone this season. And hopefully that's a result in DJ Moore's game as well. Okay, so we've done round three, Allen Robinson, round four. Tyler Lockett. Now we go to round seven towards the end, maybe even the round eight turn. Matt, back over to you. An interesting group here. Jerry Judy, DJ Chark, Debo Samuel, Michael Gallup. All kind of in somewhat similar in Judy and Chark points of their careers. Mm -hmm. Debo Samuel, I mean, an awesome rookie season and then injured during his second year and like every single team tries to search for their Debo Samuel, it feels like right now. And then Michael Gallup is the clear number three wide receiver, but on potentially the best passing offense in the NFL. So who you're going with of that quartet? Yeah, this tier is interesting because it has players from two of the receiving cores that I think are the most difficult to figure out this year in the Jacksonville Jaguars and then the Denver Broncos. Because I would love to know how you guys look at this Broncos situation because to me – I don't know about like a Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke-led offense paired with – and I think this is important because immediately people will pop back with, well, all three of the Panthers receivers were good last year, right? But the Panthers were playing with a terrible defense. They were you know, behind. Like the the Broncos are going to be in different situations. They're going to be in advantageous, positive game scripts. Like I don't know that all those variables, while also, again, the quarterbacks are Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, is that going to be conducive to – two top 40 receivers, a running back that people are excited about, and Noah Fant has a top 10 ADP at tight end. Like, somebody here is not going to hit. Is it Judy? Is it Sutton? Is it Fant? I I don't know. I mean, Jerry Judy has, like, the reception perception profile of a guy that, like, at 75% success rate versus man, you want to bet on. Like, you want to make that bet on Jerry Judy. You want to bet on him figuring out the drops problem from last year. I don't think that's a big concern but Cortland Sun's really good too. I, I've, I'm going back and forth like consistently every day about who do I like better, Cortland Sutton or do I like Jerry Judy better? And you know, you could do sort of the Drew Locke better for Cortland Sutton, Teddy Bridgewater better for Jerry Judy, but I don't know if that's actually a real thing or just like a stupid kind of um, wide receiver type situation that we're throwing out there. So I don't know. To me, I also have plenty of questions about the Jaguars again with DJ Chark. Like, you know, we all there's no like urban Meyer guy, you know, out there, like nobody's like an urban Meyer stand except for like longtime Florida folks or maybe Ohio state folks. I don't know, but nobody in the media likes urban Meyer, but at the same time, like maybe he shouldn't have said what he said about DJ Chark and the way that he said it publicly, but he wasn't wrong, right? Like Chark was not good last year. I mean, his 2019 charts reception perception, pretty solid 2020 
one of the worst in the league. Was very disappointing. I don't know if that was because of injuries, like he was consistently hurt last year. That's worth asking, but I think the door is open there for you know the ADP gap between Chark and Chenault and Jones to kind of close a little bit. Uh, so he would not be my pick here. Honestly, I think my pick here, and I don't know if I've got like the the stones to take him ahead of some of these players, but I love Michael Gallup in this tier. I think yep. Gallup, is, uh, he's the Cowboys' best X receiver. He's a strong separator across the route tree, and I think the fact that you know people are very concerned about the fact that he was not super productive with Dak Prescott there for those five games. Like number one, it's five games, you know, who's to say what would have happened over the course of a season, but he was running the most difficult routes on that team. He's the one that runs the routes against press coverage outside as the X receiver. He's the one that runs the vertical routes as the X receiver there. Like Amari Cooper gets layups all game. Gallup does not. CD Lamb, obviously we talked about him playing almost like a Cooper cup role. Those were very conducive, especially when you're trailing in games like to take those layups consistently as you're trying to catch up with that bad defense. I think the fact that, you know, defense might be better. Dak is back. Uh, and of course, like it does sound like they're going to be a little bit more willing to move Gallup around and give him more layups. That's uh, I don't love trusting Mike McCarthy to do creative and smart offensive things with player deployment, but it's what they're talking about at least. And it sounds like out of camp, they're doing it with CD Lamb, which therefore would mean they have to do it with Michael Gallup. I just think he's way too cheap compared to the other two receivers in this on this team where like the routes run the snaps will be right there and I think the targets can easily catch up for Gallup as well and even if they don't he's still again running those high leverage target or running those high leverage routes getting those high leverage targets like he will win you best ball weeks uh where he's going right now he's just such an easy pick to me and I wouldn't be surprised if he has a big year this year and then he go like in dynasty or whatever I would buy Michael Gallup right now because he's gonna be a free agent after this year or they cut Cooper and they keep Dallas keep him in in Dallas like there's just so many possible ways for Gallup to outkick his ADP right now and like if you're not drafting in a best ball league like forget it dude Gallup is gonna go like you know wide receiver 50 something and like casual ADP right now he's absurdly low so he, he is a guy I'm, I'm definitely targeting everywhere yeah, Gallup's upside is way higher than the other guys. If Cooper misses some time here, if he's the number two receiver in this offense, he would be, I mean, we'd be ranking inside the top 20. And I don't think that Cortland Sutton has that in his range of outcomes this year. Just like you said, there is way too many good skill players on the Broncos and that defense will be top five this year. And we don't yep. trust the quarterbacks. That is not a recipe for fantasy success. And then you can say the same thing about DJ Chark. The competition there is, there's a lot more competition this year with Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chanel potentially breaking out. I think DJ Chark and Cortland Sutton, I think that they're okay in their roles. I think that they're being overdrafted right now. I think that I would rather bet on the, the younger guys or the better offenses in general like Michael Gallup's. Yeah, this is What's the, the percentage chance that Marvin Jones outproduces DJ Chark? You know, we, like, we, yeah. we talked about this yesterday. I mean, this you always have to follow the money and try to get in the mindset of these head coaches. And, you know, they had never worked with these guys, but DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault were already on the roster. But Daryl Bevel and company made it a priority to go and get the guy that they know well in, in Marvin Jones. So to me, if we're saying like, okay, if there are two wide receivers that can have a lot of production on their team, it kind of feels like Marvin Jones is locked into one of those. And yeah. then DJ Chark and Visca are kind of competing for that other spot because I just don't know why they would go out and prioritize Marv to not play him nearly as much or utilize him nearly as much as the other two names. Fair. Yeah, I'm right there with yeah. you. I have I would take Michael Pittman over um DJ <laughs> Chark, and they aren't even being drafted near each other. Michael Pittman has like these X X traits, like I mean alpha traits, and there's way less competition, in my opinion, for him. Uh I don't know. One of my bold takes probably save that for a different show. <laughs> we uh <laughs> we also talked about this, Matt, and we keep mentioning the Broncos offense. To me, it might be similar to like the second half part of the Steelers last year where there are all these mm. great pieces, but you just didn't know who to start on a weekly basis because of how great the defense was, but you couldn't trust the quarterback at all. And so being yeah. able to pinpoint those on a weekly basis in like a season long league would be, would be really, really difficult. Where are we at on Debo, Matt? 
Yeah, also on by the just the one difference between those two examples too is like the Steelers were throwing the ball at an absurd rate and right. like you know nobody's going to get like a Deontay Johnson level target share among Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy like no one is going to be left out in the cold in that way so yeah I, I don't I agree with you the more that I look at the Broncos the less um, I want to take their pass catchers even though I think someone here is the one to bet on I can't get my head around who with Debo I mean I, I mean he's he's a good player right it's just tough to tell yourself a story where Ayuk. Kittle and Debo all hit where they're going this year. I mean, if Trey Lance is there, there's going to – I think the 49ers actually are like the team to figure out this year to win your fantasy league because there's so much – there's so many paths to a ceiling right now. You know, Trey, Lan- uh, Trey Sermon could be a guy who hits really big where he's going right now if he is truly like the 1A back in what we do expect to be – something of a timeshare here you know Trey Lance is going to take over at some point Josh I know you're bullish on him taking over sooner than later when he's in there he's going to change the offense dramatically from a volume perspective most likely from a passing game standpoint but also I think they could be a much much more efficient offense with Trey Lance in there that's more touchdown potential for guys like Brandon Ayuk who were monsters in scoring area last year for George Kittle. Like how I, George Kittle at some point has to have like a monster touchdown season. You would think, cause he's just that good. Debo, I think will be really important to creating layups for him. But like when you're talking about Ayuk and you're talking about Samuel Debo, Samuel there, like there's no comparison to who is the better player, who has the better like alpha traits, who is the better separator across the route tree. Um, and, you know, just, just going to get the type of targets that win you weeks more so than Debo Samuel will. So I, and I like Debo a lot. And I think he's an important role player for this team, but yeah, not someone I'm, I'm gassed up about drafting here. Yeah. And, and the public's with you. I mean, they're drafting Brent Nayuk as wide receiver 27 and Debo Samuel as a wide receiver 35. All right. One more cluster. Then I want to hit on some individual pieces too. In round eight, deeper in round eight, LaVisca Chenault, Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Williams, Will Fuller, and Curtis Samuel. This is really where, Matt, rankings start differing from ADP because even when doing drafts, and I understand like the story you can write yourself for LaVisca Chenault to have a great year or Juju Smith-Schuster to have a good year, I get so much more pumped in drafts and have a much better feeling if I take Will Fuller, if I take Curtis Samuel, if I take Mike Williams over those other two. Yeah, and I'm with you on being ahead of the market on those guys. Like Mike Williams, if he stays healthy, should moonwalk into 100 targets and is, you know, listen, he's you're going to pull up his reception perception profile and be like, well, he's not the best separator, but he separates where it matters, downfield. He's a good downfield player. He gets open because he's a long strider. He's dominant in contested situations. Like I think Mike Williams is actually a little underrated because he was a top seven pick didn't really hit that level of production and people think he's bad, but you know, he just gets hurt all the time. Cause nobody <laughs> like uh, I was talking to James Co about this yesterday. Like if somebody needed to teach RG three, how to slide, somebody needs to teach Mike Williams to catch a ball and land on his damn feet instead of his back. Right? Like if he does that, he's going to like way out kick where he's going right now, because it's almost like, he's not getting the credit for being attached to Justin Herbert, who we all expect to be great on an offense that lost a main target getter in Hunter Henry and really didn't do anything to replace that player. I I really like betting on Mike Williams. And I mean, for Curtis Samuel, Josh, just get off the pup, bro. Get off the pup. And like, we're, we're, we're ready here because I love Curtis Samuel. I love Terry McLaurin. Curtis Samuel last year, 75, 75.8% success rate versus man coverage. He's been right around or better than that number for three straight years. If Kyle Allen didn't stink, he would have had this breakout season in 2019. If Cam Newton had just stayed healthy, he would have had that breakout season in 2019. I think there's really nothing stopping us from being excited about Curtis Samuel because yeah, he, he unlocked this like role last year for the Panthers, but I think he could still be a vertical receiver. And, and in this offense, I think is going to push the ball down the field. And I don't think people give enough credit to like Scott Turner and Ron Rivera for really changing the way like Rivera has played offense typically through uh, his career in Carolina. Like they play pretty fast. They've got good pace. They throw the ball at a pretty good rate. I think it's all of these guys in Washington right now. I want to be drafting Washington players. I want to be drafting Ryan Fitzpatrick, stacking with Terry McLaurin. I mean, if if Samuel 
is healthy and he's ready to roll, I think he's a top 40 receiver, no question about it. You know, maybe even closer to like 35, 36. I would take him ahead of I would take him ahead of some of the other guys that we talked about in in the previous tier. Debo Samuel, I would take him over then. I would take him over DJ Chark as well. I think he is in a prime position and is that talented of a player to deserve that level. Yeah, the one thing we have to watch Curtis Samuel's health. He's still kind of battling some offseason stuff. So that's like the only thing that is the potential concern with Curtis Samuel. Um, but outside of that, like when he's on the field, he's he's so good. I think that this offense is gonna be the one where he has that that breakout, full breakout season if, if he can stay healthy. Yeah, Hayden, this is a trio in Samuel, in Fuller, and in Mike Williams that when you start doing our positional ranks back in June, we were well ahead. I feel like you've moved the ADP on Mike Williams since then. Again, now he's going as wide receiver 40. I think back then he was going around like 47, 48. So it's moved up a lot. And in our rankings, we're still well ahead. I mean, not to reveal too much. And I'm going to force this into existence, by the way, Hayden. Next <laughs> week, at the end of next week, we're going to have our free draft guide out there for everyone to, to go and download. But you have Curtis Samuels, wide go. receiver 31. Will Fuller as wide receiver <sighs> 32. I mean, again, above the names that we just mentioned, I'm right there with you. And Matt and Hayden, you guys mentioned about Matt Nagy and how he might be an underrated play caller. I'm going to throw out Scott Turner's name, too. Yes, 100%. This is absolutely someone who will use players in areas where they win. And back when he took over for his dad, Nor, what, that was in 2019, 2018? Yeah, um, 2019, I think. 2019, when Kyle Allen was the quarterback, and they tried Will Greer, and then they tried all this other stupid <laughs> stuff. Um, Scott knew they couldn't like do anything offensively, and so then he started manufacturing touches for Curtis Samuel too. Like he got him in the backfield. He he got him easy receptions or carries. And we know Curtis can do just about anything. I'm with you. He's going to be an outside receiver first and foremost. But look, if that's not working perfectly, and it might work perfectly, he's also going to figure out ways to get one of his best playmakers on his team the ball in other ways. And, and still, no matter what, going as wide receiver 42 now, I think Curtis Samuel is still one of the best values out there, period. Question for you guys about Will Fuller. Like, I think this Dolphins receiving core is really tough to figure out too. Um, like, it, it's it's gone from being like to a playing with preseason level guys out there, and like, let me throw ten passes to Lynn Bowden or whatever. To now, suddenly they're kind of a crowded group. You know, are you, if if you're really in on Will Fuller, and I, I want to be in on Will Fuller too. I think in my rankings right now, I'm still several spots ahead of consensus on Will Fuller. Like, are you that? Are you all the way off on Jalen Waddle this year? Are you all the way off on Devonte Parker, or just like is Tua going to actually keep these guys all in pretty relevant ranges? Yeah, I think it's a two-person race. I think it's Will Fuller, and I think it's Jalen Waddle, and that includes Mike Gesicki too. Like, I'm all the way out on Mike Gesicki. I think <laughs> he needs like a total ADP reset because he played about 75% of the snaps in the slot last season, and that's exactly why they drafted Jalen Waddle. The thing with Will Fuller yeah. is Matt, you know this, and it's a different offense, sure. But he was the wide receiver eight in fantasy points per game last year. And then now he's being drafted as wide receiver 41. And he immediately comes in and is the best offensive skill position player on that team, period. And I would say best offensive player on that team, period. And I think last year, his career year, yes, PDs or however you want to say it, no injuries. But it also coincided with a significant drop in his dot. It was the lowest of his career, right? And so... Only one player had an A dot over 12 yards last year with Tua. But let's say if Will Fuller's even drops down to, I don't know, 11 this year, 11 and a half, um, you're still going to see him have more yards after catch because in the screen game, he was great last year. In the intermediate game, he was great last season. So I just think he's the type of player where now, Matt, he's, he's not pigeonholed as just a vertical player, kind of like Robbie Anderson was. And to mm -hmm. me, and unless RP tells you differently, I think he can win at all three levels of the field and in the three different portions of the field too. Yeah, uh, I me, agree with you. I mean, they basically just tossed him into DeAndre Hopkins' role from, from yes. the previous year. Was their X receiver, face press coverage on a high amount of his routes and finished with a 74% success rate. Like he showed that he could be a number one receiver and could separate at all levels was only under the NFL average on one route last year in reception perception. I think he can, he can win at all levels. It's just about the distribution of targets for me. That has me a little like have pushing a little pause on it, but I am still basically ahead on Will Fuller as well. I think for me, it's the fit with 
with Tua. Tua likes, I mean, going back to Alabama, he likes to see the guy open before he throws the ball. He's not the guy that's yeah. like willing to like throw it up. And that's why he kept getting benched last year. He was just too timid in the pocket. I think that Will Fuller is the guy that's going to be separating on all this intermediate crossing stuff off of play action. And that's where Tua could just be peppering Will Fuller. And with Devontae Parker, of course, annual tradition starting on the pup list. They're just more, I think there's more reasons to be betting on Will Fuller over Devontae Parker. I, I'm going to be lower on Devontae Parker and Gesicki, probably right on right in line with with um, Waddle just because it's, he can go either way. And I think that Will Fuller is the guy I want to be higher on. Okay. We've done the clusters. You did a wonderful job with that, Matt. Let's hit on some individual players here. Uh, I prepared you for some of them, uh, not some others, but I'll get to those in a moment. Let's talk about the positives. Um, you talked about Brain Ayuk. Uh, Michael Pittman. I didn't give you the platform for Michael Pittman. Hayden has gone on monologues on this show, professing his love for a potential breakout season for Michael Pittman. Are you along the same lines here with the second year? Oh, a hundred percent. Hayden and I are in lockstep with this one. Um, obviously, there's not a lot of competition for targets last year. I also can't believe people are banging him for like not producing as a rookie. It's like Number one, he got hurt right away, right? You know, he was he was hurt like in what, week two, week three, landed on IR, didn't come back, and then was basically playing like a full complement of snaps in a run-heavy offense. And, you know, one of the things I think is interesting with, with Pittman and one of the reasons I'm excited about him is that I think last year he really had to adjust his game to a quarterback that he is like an antithetical fit with. You know, Phillip Rivers, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here to say his arm was pretty close to me. Even though he played pretty well last year in the role that they had him in, his arm was pretty shot because he retired. You know, uh, I don't think it's going out on a limb to say that he was not, you know, had didn't have much gas left in the tank as a vertical passer. Last year, Pittman ran a slant or a dig route on over 40% of his routes in reception perception. Um, you know, and he played pretty well in those routes, had a great success rate on slants, made a lot of big plays in the open field like that. But at the same time, I think he could do way more than that. You know, you look at his route tree and reception perception, curls, nine, stuff like that. Like those are more vertical, number one receiver type of routes that, listen, I mean, I know this hinges on Carson Wentz and like that doesn't make me feel good either. But I think from like a stylistic perspective, he is a better fit with Carson Wentz in his, you know, moderate or best case scenario than he was the guy that Philip Rivers was last year. So Pittman in reception perception clears that 71% success rate that you want to look at as a very good indicator. Um, I think he can round out his game as well. He is definitely somebody that I want to bet on as a breakout player this year. I, I, I think he's going way too low right now for the potential upside that he gets like a hundred targets and, you know, Carson Wentz figures it out. I think all the risk is basically baked into where he's going right now. Like I'm not trying to, you know, gas him up to the point where he's like a sixth or seventh round pick or something, but where he's going right now, like all of the risk is baked into his ADP. And I don't really think any of the upside is baked into his ADP that he's just number one. I think he's a good player. I think he's in line for a lot of opportunities here. And the way the Colts talk about him too, they're basically counting on him to have this season. Like they made no moves, you know, at the wide receiver position. They didn't make any big moves at the tight end position either. I think like they're looking at their in-house guys to take that next step. They bring back T.Y. Hilton to be like a role player, a complimentary guy. I think that's what he has to be at this point in his career. But Michael Pittman looks like the guy that they're counting on to have that breakout season to, to fill out a functional passing offense. His usage flipped from USC to Indianapolis. At USC, he had so many insane plays way down yep. the field. And what caught my eye when I was watching him is he didn't do that, like you just mentioned, because of Phillip Rivers. But it was the yards after the catch. I mean, this dude is massive. And he was blowing by guys. He was tough to bring down. So he was kind of being used as this like yak guy underneath in the screen games on all these slants. But then at USC, he was the guy winning on all these vertical routes too. So if he can kind of put this stuff together and like Matt mentioned, if, if Wentz is going to be throwing the ball downfield more than Phillip Rivers was, which is a lock to happen. That's guaranteed to happen. A lock, yeah. Pittman's the guy that's going to be benefiting from this. And just watching his tape last year, the thing that stood out was just yards after the catch for somebody this big, that is the type of guy that I want to be betting on. If you can just figure out the rest of his game in year two, like he can be like a top 35, top 36 wide receiver. And he's not even being drafted anywhere near that right now. No, he's being drafted as wide receiver 47. Um, by the way, <laughs> if even if you like don't subscribe to reception perception, which you should go and check out Matt's channel 
on YouTube because he unloads some quality content with James Coe over there. I think he has a full video oh. on Michael yes. Pittman, so go over and subscribe to that. I, I did want to bring this up. He, again, I mentioned he's going as wide receiver 47. One spot ahead of Miko Hardman. I didn't mention this name to you, <laughs> but where are we at on Miko Hardman? Because he, again, is still being drafted as a top uh, 50 wide receiver. I can't do it. Simply cannot do it. Yeah, I'm not like all the way out on McCall Hardman. I do think he needs to come back a little bit. You mentioned NFL Game Pass needs to get back online, Josh. Um, I uh, The loyal folks in the Discord, I've been promising them extra profiles, you know, beyond the guys that are already up there. Uh, we've been voting on new players to charge. Jacoby Myers is like one of one in my eyes here. Like I want to get – I want to get a profile up on this guy so bad. So, like, if you like receptionperception.com, go subscribe to it because I will get this done whenever Game Pass gets its act together. McCole Hardman is like the number two guy most requested in the Discord um, to chart. So, this is my tease of uh, just basically go, go subscribe to the website now. These are the next guys to get profiled. And maybe along with some more like boring veterans as well. But yeah, that's one of the one of the pluses of the subscription is you get you to go. Has, you get to hassle me in the Discord about the more players that you want. I mean, people are asking for like Brian Edwards and Van Jefferson, like you know, for me to look at all look at their like five routes from last year. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be a quick one. Yeah. It'll be a quick one. So that's what I'm saying. Whenever Game Pass gets fired back up, I'm gonna be up in there charting those routes, uh, getting profiles up on Myers, who I really, I really do like Jacoby Myers, and I'm very intrigued uh by him but mccall hardman definitely and you know like i said i'm i'm intrigued by myers i know he's in a totally different offense than mccall hardman but i do agree like i want to draft mccall hardman but i don't know that i want to draft him as high as he's going before we move on want everyone to, that's watching right now like and subscribe below we really appreciate you i need that reminder Altain's gonna virtually punch me in the face after the show he always tells me you need to do it more often well hayden you can do it too just to let you know. Okay. Um, veterans <laughs> you chart. We spend a lot of time on younger players in this. Matt, where are we at on Odell Beckham? Oh my God, man. Oh, I haven't I haven't tweeted about this yet, but he his profile is actually free on the website. So um I I gotta put that out there because uh, you just mentioned James virtually punching you through the I mean uh, Hayden punching you through the screen James is like consistently telling me like she makes some profiles free so that people actually go check them out and read the site blah 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 so I understand your pain Josh I understand your pain when you're uh when your partner here is on your case Hurts. about We're marketing teammates but you know sometimes they can be antagonistic a little bit at the same time though Josh people like you and me clowns like you and me need smart marketing people like Hayden and James. That's why they're there. Right. That's why they're there to actually sell some things. But anyways, on Odell Beckham, I wrote about him uh, last year, his, his 2019 profile also free on the site as well. You know, Beckham was a guy that legitimately was one of the best players in reception perception history in his Giants tenure. I mean, he still owns two of the top five success rate versus man coverage scores of all time. He's consistently been above like the 98th percentile against press during his Giants days. I mean, he was on his way to, I think, like a Hall of Fame career, like a legendary type of talent was Odell Beckham. Then he gets to Cleveland in 2019. And I mean, you don't see – like typically – for those who are not familiar with the perception perception, once guys like establish themselves and they get to a certain level, rarely do you see any sort of decline. I mean, there are some guys like Kenny Galladay I've mentioned before as a guy like this, DJ Moore we just talked about earlier as a player who, you know, they take those little incremental steps up. Rarely does anybody take like incremental steps down, basically, to, to put it simply. Beckham, however... In his 2019 in Cleveland, he finished at the 54th percentile against man coverage and the 42nd against press. So again, going from like that top of the top to the middle of the pack, that is extremely rare. Basically, my analysis on him coming into last year was either that is like an outlier year that will correct itself or it's the start of all these lower body injuries taking a toll. I'm bummed that we've got another injury question this year. Uh, that's that's problematic. But in his limited sample, you know, only about six full games from 2020, he looked much more like the guy early on in his career. You're not 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 that quite that legendary level, not like 98th, 99th percentile, but 91st percentile against press. I mean, 94th against press, 91st against man was really separating well and looking much more. You know, I think basically just wasn't healthy in 2019. He was healthy in 2020 and. 
I don't buy in one bit to the narrative that like Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham just can't figure it out. I think basically Beckham, you know, it's like a coincidence that he's been there for some of Mayfield's worst times. Like that nobody was playing well in that Freddie Kitchens offense in 2019. So like, let's just throw that out. And obviously Beckham himself wasn't healthy. And last year, like once Mayfield figured, it wasn't as if like as soon as Beckham got out the lineup, then Mayfield took off. He just had his best games later on in the season when he actually got comfortable in a very quarterback friendly offense. So, I mean, look, it's, I think Beckham's going in a good range right now. I have him several spots in my rankings above ADP. I know it is like a full risk bet because they're not even going to be a high volume passing offense. And he obviously still carries injury risk, but man, I mean, I, I was very excited to see that like his 2020 season was much more like the player we're used to seeing. And I actually think, like, look, if he is even that guy again here in 2021, like sprinkling that type of talent on top of a Browns offense that was already getting rolling, I'm very excited about that. Yeah, if this offense means that Odell Beckham, instead of being an 11-target-per-game player, he's an 8-target-per-game player. But when he does get those targets, it's always just going to be intermediate crossing routes, play-action deep stuff. That's like the perfect scenario for an, for a guy that's battled 100%. some injuries. He doesn't need to have this Devontae Adams type of season. He just needs this medium volume season where he can just show off his explosiveness in a less volume role, keep him healthy. I'm with you. I have him a couple spots over ADP. He's just somebody that like he's a very easy way to get access to this Browns offense that we can easily see have this huge outlier touchdown season. I Josh, remember like, I think a couple of podcasts ago I was like, who's the quarterback that like always just jumps out as like an eight percent touchdown rate and that's an in-pocket player that's like not sustainable that could be baker mayfield this year like the offensive line is just set up for something that could happen where baker mayfield throws for like 34 touchdowns all of a sudden yeah again it's that sweet spot of wide receivers he's going as wide receiver 28 and sandwiched between two potential young studs in uh brandon Ayuk and chase claypool and surrounded by some other players i really like taking in robbie anderson so on and so forth so uh it's a very interesting Part of the draft. Matt, I realize I didn't give you a time limit on your stay here with us. So we'll get you out of here right <laughs> around one hour. We really appreciate your time. Uh, before we go, you can answer this question one of two ways. Either give us a very strong, firm opinion that you don't think a lot of other people carry heading into 2021, or give people help in the later rounds of their drafts. Cause you know, underdog goes to 18 rounds. Everyone's searching for that wide receiver. You mentioned Jacoby Myers. Maybe there's someone else that you're constantly moving over to, because we know if you get four, five, six, even more usable weeks than that out of those players, it's kind of like the skeleton key at points of your underdog drafts. Yeah. Uh, I think I would be remiss if I came on the show and didn't try to drag Hayden onto the right side of history with Deontay Johnson. Love it. Cause Thank I've you. seen, I've seen <laughs> some of the tweets, Matt, Matt, I just have to say, I'm going to call Hayden out here. Cause he calls me out on the <laughs> Slack a couple days ago. Hayden firmly said, you know what? I really don't want to get into the Deontay Johnson conversation. We'll get into it now. We'll get into it now. <laughs> Oh God, Matt, you go for it first. Or do you want me to defend myself and then you tell me why I'm no, so let's wrong. go Matt first. Go for it, Matt. Yeah, I mean, listen, here's the deal. Like, I realize that like his yards per target is low. I mean, these stats that like no one should take seriously or care about because they're so quarterback influenced. Um, I know he was in like a very limited role last year from like a target distribution standpoint. I think they used a lot of those passes because they had such a poor running game. They're sort of like Patriots have been doing that for years, right? With their slot receivers, using those as like extensions of the running game. James White using those extensions of the running game. I think they threw Deontay Johnson in that role, but I firmly and strongly believe, based on his reception perception, that he is a full field player. 95th percentile last year in success rate versus man coverage. It's a top 10 mark among 2020 receivers. Number one in terms of success rate versus zone. Also really good against press as well. 76% success rate. I don't think the way that they used him last year is what he is capable of doing. And I mean, even if you look at his route percentage on receptionperception.com, it's not like all slants and flats, you know, like they were not throwing him the ball when he was running an above average amount of out routes or comeback routes or at the league average in terms of nine routes, but he was still highly successful 
on basically all of the patterns across the route tree. Like if they give him a chance to be the full field receiver that I think he can be, I think he would absolutely smash where he is going right now. I think he is clearly their best receiver. Chase Claypool can absolutely get there. He and DK Metcalf, very similar rookie years from like a usage standpoint, like 50% of their routes were slants and nines. I really like Chase Claypool. Um, I'm not, I'm totally comfortable drafting him where he's going. I think they could be, like the next Lockett and Metcalf type of duo where they're clearly a top five, um, you know, offense. Obviously there are some, <laughs> there are some confounding factors here. Juju being back definitely uh, lightens the, up the, uh, the it, it tightens up the target distribution. Also Ben, like is Ben bad? Maybe he might be bad. Like, right. You know, that's very possible. He was like the worst quarterback to watch last year. This offense was like the worst to watch last year, but listen, I don't care about the drops. Not at all. I'm not worried about that. And I think the fact like his usage and where they targeted him last year is not indicative of the player he is. I, I also think targets are earned. Targets are, are 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 not just like randomly doled out. So I'm I'm bullish on Deontay Johnson as a player, and I'm cool with where he's going in fantasy right now, even though I'm I it's tough to trust the offense. Like this is another situation where something's wrong here, right? Like you can't have three top 40 receivers, like a top 15 consensus running back. And Ben Roethlisberger is like buried in drafts right now. Something doesn't make sense. Either Roethlisberger is toast and all these guys are going to collapse or Roethlisberger actually is going to have one decent year and a better offense this year. I, I don't really know the answer to that one. Before Hayden goes, Matt, is it fair that Deontay, Deontay Johnson, who's going as wide receiver 25, is going ahead of Chase Claypool at wide receiver 29? Yes. Okay. I, I I think just even even if you think that Ben is washed, like that actually would just lead to more volume for a player like Johnson, who's a better overall separator than Claypool is right now, even though we've got really good signals from Claypool uh, as a rookie. So Deontay Johnson, to me, it's just what he's so good at is not so valuable for an offense. And P, before PPR and stuff, what he was doing last year, awesome. But I think the difference is it's always kind of hard for us to separate fantasy production versus like a real life player. When I watch Deontay, it's very clear that he's an awesome separate at the line of scrimmage. He definitely knows what the hell he's doing against zone coverage. And that's why he was had such a huge role in last year's offense because they couldn't run the ball. And that's why Deontay Johnson was probably their best bet to move the offense because he was their best player within five to 10 yards of line of scrimmage. Where I think we disagree is when I watch Deontay Johnson try to win vertically, I don't see him being able to sustain that separation. I'm not sure if he's like totally fast enough. And the one thing I'm for sure positive about is he's not strong enough to finish in some of these contested catches situations. So that's where I think that his, his upside as a, a three layered receiver is a little bit capped just because when he was going outside, it was sometimes the drops. I'm not even concerned about the drops. It, to me, it's just like, is he strong enough? Is he fully athletic enough to win downfield? To me, his best attributes are all within five to eight yards of the line of scrimmage, which is cool. I just think that someone like Chase Claypool has such a higher ceiling because I've seen him separate and continue that separation downfield. Um, so that's the only difference. I think Deontay Johnson's a fine starter in the NFL. I think that people get too carried away with just like looking at his PPR stuff and then just like pretending that he is actually like a top 15 wide receiver in the league. I think that he's actually capped just where... Uh, where he wins isn't so valuable compared to some of these other true outside deep threat intermediate guys. Um, and I think that Chase Claypool is somebody that can do some of this underneath stuff, more schemed open in like the screen game. But I just think that Chase Claypool to me looked like somebody that's ready to go full bananas. And I just don't see the upside with Deontay. Yeah, there's some whack jobs that actually think like Deontay Johnson is is like legit, like a bad player. That like, those those people I'd like to, I don't, I don't get it, but um, yeah, I, I disagree a little bit in terms of like his ability to sustain and win downfield. I actually think like in reception perception, we've got him at a pretty good contested catch rate. He just like drops these, you know, passes that are it's still easy fast ones. out of the break. It's yeah. the easy ones. Right. And, but actually yeah. like next gen stats has put out the chart where like, that's where most drops happen. And it does make sense, right? Like you're about to get hit by defenders, even if it's not the old school NFL or something like that. Right. But also like, you know, Ben's getting rid of that ball in less than two seconds. It's hard. It's tough to track those passes uh, while you're also like, like I said, in zone coverage like that. So I don't know. I think I am very bullish on Johnson as a player. I think he can be a full field receiver, but I guess he's one of these like players that like we could do this for 20 minutes but it's one of those yeah. Hayden where like 
honestly, it's like, we'll just see what happens. He's one of the, like, I don't want to waste my energy with people on Twitter arguing about Deontay Johnson. Cause it's like, we'll just see what happens when the games start, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think there's an avenue actually for both of you to be right. I mean, Hayden mentioned, you know, the negatives that popped up last year. I think Matt, based on the charting from last year and before then uh, you've mentioned the signals that point to him being good in the future. And what Hayden mentioned earlier in our conversation with Devontae Adams about players, you know, from these non top five programs, obviously he's coming out of Toledo and maybe the progression Toledo. Can be there once he can be, you know, in the NFL. So uh, definitely one to track, definitely one to track. All right, Matt, we're going to get you out of here. Thanks so much for your time. Again, tell the people out there, even if you don't subscribe to Reception Perception, which you should, I'm sure do the it. Discord is amazing. At least <laughs> the very least you can do is to go and subscribe to Matt Harmon's YouTube channel with Reception Perception. I remember there from the, the Backyard Banner days as well. Oh, yeah. Um, but awesome information and conversations with James Coe is available there as well. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, this is awesome. Like I said, I'm I'm excited for what you guys have going on. Your show is awesome. This has been great. So I appreciate you having me. Yeah, I, I hope everybody goes out, checks out receptionperception.com. Like I mentioned just uh, just a while ago, that yeah, if you want to check out what the information looks like before you buy in, the best way to do it is the methodology tab on the website where you see the whole process laid out. There's a couple free articles there as well that James has written, one that I've written. Uh, I'm going to be having more of that coming out. And also, Odell Beckham's profile is free. So go search that as well. Market that. Market that. All right. I got I got a tweet about that today. <laughs> Clearly. Next, next time, Matt, we'll spend an hour on uh, Brandon Cooks, too, and why everyone shouldn't draft him. All right. Oh, great. <laughs> Here we go. That has been Hayden and Matt. Thank you all for joining me. And be on the lookout for our draft guide next week, free for everyone out there and deposit anything, get a free 25 bucks on underdog using promo code, the show. Thanks Josh, everyone. You're, Josh, you're writing. Come on now. You're finally writing up the Vela. Talk to you all soon. See ya. <laughs>